The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I am your brother in Christ, and God has indeed sent me here to you this morning. Um, I always like to, uh, whenever I'm preaching, I always like to uh, encourage and even admonish um, the posture of your heart as it relates to uh, the reading of the word, or the pre- but the preaching of the word. I grew up in church, and I've been around church a lot of times, and so I know for me, it's very easy for me to go on autopilot, roll into church, you know, sing the songs, um, you know, hear the scripture read, and, and kind of not be fully engaged. Now, I'm not asking you to fully engage because it's me. I'm not. I'm, it, it's, it's the word of the Lord. And so let me just uh, admonish you in the proper posture of hearing the word of God. So the proper posture of our heart when we come and we hear the word of God is that we might do what the word is exhorting us to do. Uh, not only to be hearers only, but that takes some effort. So that's going to take for all of us to wrestle our minds from wherever they are, wherever they may try to go, or whatever the distractions that the enemy might bring, and say, Lord, let there be no resistance in my hearts to your words. As you speak through and let there be no resistance, not to the words I say, but, but his, his, his word and his words to you. The posture is to, to hear the word, to do, to hear and to do. So we'll be in Matthew this morning. Um, Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah, as the king, as your king, and as our king. Now, for even those who don't recognize Jesus as king, he is still king. And our passage will talk about, you know, the king's judgment and what the, what the, what the king has to say. A little bit more about Matthew. Uh, in Matthew, there are these five major discourses for Jesus, and they all fit together. And I'm going to share just, to, just, just those five. You know, kind of root um, our, our passage today, the last of the five major discourses. The first is the message of the Messiah. So early on in Matthew, Jesus is, 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 is talking about the message of the Messiah. Then the mission of the Messiah. They're all discourses found in Matthew. Then the mystery of the Messiah's kingdom. Then the community of the Messiah. And last but not least, the delay in return and judgment of the Messiah. So when I read this passage, I'm going to read this passage in just a moment. And it is the final just. It is the final judgment. And, and if you've, you've probably heard this before, you've probably read this before. But I want to challenge you to, to, to visually and with your imagination, I want you to try to, in your, in your best cinematography that's in your mind, try to capture this event. This is the final judgment. Listen to the description. And I really want you to, to in your minds, work yourself to say, what would this be like? If I could see this, if I could create this in my mind, because this is a fantastic event. This is incredible. Listen and, and, and follow along with me. But, but let your imagination um, uh, just, just carry you away with this. When the Son of Man comes, verse 31, 25, chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory 
and all of the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse, into eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And did not minister you. Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. This is a a fantastic event. This is the event for all humanity and all creation, is it not? This is the final judgment. This is when your king, our king, comes. This is it. And Jesus comes to sit on the throne. This is it. Many refer to this this way. The great and terrible day of the Lord. The great and terrible day. I am in Christ. My soul is secure because of Christ and his grace died on my behalf. So I await the return of Christ and that will be joyous. But there is part of me that there is respectful fear. Does that make sense? Great and terrible day of the Lord because he is God. You think about the encounters in the Bible where, where people are, 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 God shows up even with Moses. And there's, there's trepidation there because we don't know anyone like God. He is holy, holy, holy. So when I think about this picture and I think about the king coming and I think about what he's coming to do in this judgment, Right? I don't know what it's like to stand before a king. I don't know what it's like to, to, to wait for a king to come to uh, uh, make a judgment or ruling on, on what I've done. I don't know what that's like. None of you probably know what it's like. But I do know what it's like to be called to court. <laughs> right? So I got a ticket back in the summer. Um, a police officer had pulled someone else over, and he was on the side. She was on the side of the road, 
my kids were in the car, we were talking, and uh, you know, you're supposed to get over, you know, you're supposed to move over, it's in safety for, for, for the officer and, or people who are on the side of the road, and by the time I realized that I needed to get over, over there were two or three cars to the left, and so I couldn't get over, and so I tried to move over a little bit, um, but the cop saw me, she flagged me down, came and gave me a ticket, I wanted to explain, okay, um, I wanted to to uh, and I did. I asked her, and I, you know, you know, and she said, you know, here's a ticket. You can you can go to court, and you know. So I, okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to, 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 to an opportunity to tell the judge what what had happened. And I I, I remember um, walking into the courtroom, in anticipation for for the judge. I didn't know what he would think about what I was going to say. He had my file. Right? So the judge had my file, just like the king has come. He knows all of our deeds, everything that we've done. But I didn't know how the judge would look at what I'd done. Is he just going to say, you're guilty? I didn't know. And so I was waiting in anticipation, um, waiting for, on that day when I was in the court, for, for the judge to come out. I had a very unsettling feeling because I didn't know what he was thinking, okay? And sometimes, even though we know that we're in Christ, we're beloved, we are forgiven, and we receive that grace, absolutely. And I'll speak for myself, but I do wonder what God thinks. I wonder what the king will think about the actual deeds that I do. I do. Not, not in a meritorious way like that, but, but I wonder, it, it, you know, is he going to approve of them? Are those good things? So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm serving and I'm loving, I, I wonder what he thinks, just like I did that day with the, the judge. I wonder what he thought. So we wonder sometimes. And because the king is the king, his words are important, just like that judge. Because the judge is the judge, his words matter. The king's words matter because he is the king. But when we look here in our passage, what is the king doing? What is he doing? Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne. Before him will be gathered the nations. He will separate people one from another. And as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. What is the king coming to do? This is what the king is coming to do. He's coming to put things in order. He's making rulings on where things should go. Right? First of all, he takes his place. He sits on the throne. He takes his place. But he's coming to set things in order. He gathers the nations. I mean, what, like, what does that even look like? That you're gathering the nations, like all the nations for all time. Like, I mean, that's amazing. Right? And he's separating people. Some on the right, some on the left. It's interesting um, 
when I was in that court that day, we were instructed on where to sit. The lawyers had a place. The bailiff had a place. And to some extent, the judge had decided where people should be. There was, a, there, was a, there was a formalness to where people should be based upon what was about to happen. And I remember being there, and there's this formalness to what's going on. And I remember, uh, whether it was the bailiff or I think that says this, and, and um, he says, all rise before the judge came in, right? Signifying that the judge is coming, right? And I remember I, there was a brief moment there where I thought it was kind of corny. You know, I'd seen like, you know, you watch all these Judge Judys and stuff, you know. And, and, and in my mind, because, I, I, you know, I've never really been in the court before, um, that's all I had to go on. So I was kind of like, I saw all rise, and I was just like, okay, this is kind of hokey. But I tell you what, when he said all rise, it got all quiet. These lawyers who were suited and booted, dressed real nice, very professional, everybody straightened up. There was silence. And I remember the judge walking out. He's got his robe on. And all of a sudden, I got very anxious in that moment. Because here comes the judge. Judge came in, very stoic face. He's got his robe on. Everyone's eyes are on the judge. Oh man, I started to feel it. Because his words matter. He was coming to put things in order, right? There were some there that were out of order. There were some people there that were guilty. And the judge was going to put them in their place. And there were some that weren't guilty. And the judge was going to put them in their place. Ironically, when I came into the court, um, and they told us where to go, and then someone had a list and they called out names. And they said, I want these people to come up here and stand to the right calling off names. I hadn't been told anything about that I would be. My name was the last name. And Aaron Layton, so there's this line of people, and I'm like, we're being called forward. Like, what is that all about? So my anxiety level goes further through the roof. But then they say, you guys go back to this room with the I guess it was the prosecuting attorney, the DA, I'm not sure. Whoever the state rep, or the little municipality representative lawyer, whatever that would be. So we go back with him. And we have an opportunity with him, and he's an extension of the judge. The judge looked at our case and said, you're going to take these people back there. And basically what we got a chance to do is to say, what is it that you did? Tell me. So the, the, the lawyer back there said, Tell me what you did. Now, he's already had our file. Judge's already looked through our file. 
but there was something that they wanted to hear. But they had put us in a different category. And so when I explained my situation, the lawyer looked at me, and he said, Mr. Layden, you can go. I was like, what? He said, you can go. I got out of as quick as I could before he could change his mind. I wasn't going to ask him a third time. But there was something about the judge had looked at the case, my file, and decided, he had already decided, that lawyer only had authority to let me go based upon what the judge had already seen. So I was in a different place and I was allowed to go. But people were separated and people that day, there were some that were pronounced guilty. So the king comes to put things in order. But he also calls. The king calls. Who is he calling? Verse 34. Who is the king calling? Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Now by the way, I want you to get this. The Lord speaks to us through his spirit regularly. You go into your quiet time. You hear the voice of the Lord. We pray for direction. The Holy Spirit gives it to you. Your encounter here with the Lord is different. This is the first time ever that your Lord will speak to you face to face. And this is what he's going to say, beloved. Think about it. This is the first time your Lord, your King, will address you face-to-face verbally. What he has to say to you is of the utmost importance. So as you get a picture, look at what the Lord places the emphasis. Look at what the king places the emphasis on when he's addressing you. Those you are righteous of heart. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, first time he's speaking, first time Jesus is speaking to you face to face, he says this, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, As you did it, one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. He bids them. He calls you forward. And he wants to speak to you. He has something to say to you, just like that judge called us for. But I can think of another time as I think about being called forward. So so my mom. My mom would get that tone sometimes and said, Aaron, Jamel, Layton, and I knew that I was in trouble and I needed to come see her. That happened a lot growing up around report card time. 
And I wasn't a bad student. I was okay. But it wasn't the, like you had, back in the day, they had the academic side, and then they had the behavior side. They had these little boxes. I hated the behavior side because mine was always filled up. <laughs> and so my, my report card on the behavior side generally said three things. He moves too much. He talks too much. And he taps on things too much. And so I got used to that. So my mom would come in, and that was before, you know, they could, you had the, you know, ADHD medicine, because I definitely had that, you know. And my mom would be like, boy, how come you can't just sit still? How come you can't just, you know, right? So I'd get in trouble for that. Like, and I, and I in, my, in my heart, I really, really want to try. But my, my mom, one day, she would call me forward, you know, because she's going to tell me about myself, right? So I was used to that. Well, one day, she called me in the same way. Aaron, you're late. Get in here. I got your report card. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, I learned to pray to, to get out of trouble. I did. My first prayer that got answered, no lie, my first prayer that got answered was a prayer of me trying to get out of trouble. And the Lord spared me. From that day on, I said, Lord, you are God. <laughs> oh, my mom calls me forward this day. And she says, Aaron Jamel Layton. She says, I'm proud of you. And I'm like, this was a trick. <laughs> I was just like, what? She goes, I got your report card today, and your teacher said that you're improving. Probably said he's moving less, he's talking less, he's not tapping on as much stuff. And I had made a change. But I didn't know how my mom would read that. But she had called me forward, right? She called me forward, and she tells me this. And she tells me she's proud of me, and she gives me a hug. And just as the king calls us forward and tells us that he is pleased with us. So let me, let me, let me I'm going to camp out here just a moment. As we think about what's important to the king. Again, the first time Jesus talks to you. It's very interesting what he has to say about the works that you've done. This is where the king's heart is. His heart is, he mentions, there were people that were hungry, and you fed them. There are people that were thirsty, and you gave them drink. There were people who were strangers, and you welcomed them in. There were people who were naked, sick, and in prison. You gave them clothing, you cared for them, you visited them in prison. Of all the things that your Lord and King could commend you for the first time he sees you face to face, this is what's on his heart. This is what's on his heart. So what are you saying, Brother Layton? Are you saying that we do these works we're talking about works righteousness. We're talking about, you know, if I do these things, they're going to please God. No. Faith without works is dead. Who are the righteous? Who are the people that are on the right? Who are the sheep? The righteous are the righteous in heart. Now, here's what we know, and this is what the Bible says about our hearts. It's desperately wicked until 
as Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. I have no desire, we have no desire for God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, which I'm so thankful for. And just as a side note, yeah, I have tons of questions about unsaved family members and all of that. But this is what I know for sure. It's the Lord who changes hearts. I know that for sure. The Bible's clear about that. I can't reconcile everything out there, but the Bible is clear about that. So the righteous, those who are to the right, are those who are righteous in heart. And Christ has invaded your heart. The Holy Spirit has invaded your heart. You've recognized your desire and need for atonement. But he's commending you because you're operating out of that heart that is like his heart. What things are important to God? People. It matters how you treat people. It matters. I don't care what anyone says. It matters all the time, every time. It matters when people are in need and you help. It matters. The king commends you because he recognized you are like me. Now, just like I didn't know what I had done right, you know, as a kid, and my mom's like, I'm proud of you. The response of the righteous say, well, Lord, when did we see you? When did we do those things? He said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Imagine the pride of the king when he looks at you and he recognizes you that you have his same heart. I know as a father, there's no greater joy of my children when there's something that that reminds me that they are my kids in their behavior in a good way, not the negative stuff. <laughs> so what I'm saying is your heart is right, and that's where the desire to do these things come from. But now let me prick you a little bit as I prick myself. But here's the challenge while we are being sanctified, here's the challenge for us. In our heart, we will to do. But because we're not totally sanctified, our idols often are ourselves, and we protect our time. We protect our time because we do. We love long weekends. We love time with friends and family, okay? And we protect those times. Sometimes to a fault because there are these people out here that are needy. Hey, here's the thing. When I work with needy people, and I work with a group of them now, I don't ever really leave working with them and feel good. I don't. I feel like crap. I'm going to tell you why. And I'm sorry, I hope that's not offensive. Because when I'm working with needy, needy, messy people, my heart is revealed. I'm concerned about who sees me with them. I'm concerned about my nice home that I get to go back to and, and what that means and wrestling with that. And it doesn't mean I need to sell my house, but I'm just wrestling with it. I don't feel good. I want them not to be as needy as they are. 
And if I'm honest, there's times I don't want to be seen with them. But the beautiful thing is this. And every time I feel like that, the king shows me to what extent I am like him and not like him. And I said, Lord, you would have none of those thoughts. But I do. So Lord, help me. Help me push back the selfishness of myself. Because I do want to be like you. Just like you. And I don't want to give myself excuses. Our church uh, has this outreach uh, to a Hispanic community. It's a mobile park. Very, very poor mobile park. It's falling apart. Okay, it looks like a little third world country. Our church purchased two mobile homes in that uh, Hispanic mobile park. Most of the parents are undocumented uh, Mexican immigrants. The kids are dreamers. Right? We bought the two trailers there. But I remember when I, my pastor asked me about continuing this ministry or I wanted to protect my time. I had just gotten my Saturdays back. I'd been working in this program for about five years. And it was, I was working every uh, first and second Saturday. So I only basically got two Saturdays, you know. And when this came about, I said, Lord, I just got my Saturdays back. I didn't say that out loud, but he heard it anyway. I'm like, I want to sit on the porch and drink coffee with my wife in the morning. I want to go work out. I, I want to have the, the, the whole part of my day to do. But I said, the first thing I said, I said, Lord, I want to do this. Show me how I can do it. Show me how I can do it. I want to do it in the right way, the wise way, but show me how to do it. And end up getting involved, and pastor's like, well, who's going to lead that up? <laughs> I don't know. Because I was like, I'll volunteer, but I don't want to lead it, you know. And the Lord may be asking you to lead it. So we have the heart of the, of the king, and he, he calls us, you know, and this is what is important to him. It is what's important to him. We have to resist our, our selfish tendencies. Um, and this is not a thing where, um, I don't want you to run off in the sunset and be convicted and condemned. It's enough, and I have a prayer that I'm praying, it's enough for you to say, Lord, and this is kind of what I prayed, I said, Lord, I don't want there to be anything that I'm not doing that you're calling me to. So you show me what you want me to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, I'm going to do it, you know. Now, do I feel condemned about that? No. Do I feel like the Lord is telling me that I need to do all of these things? I don't know, I, you know. But as he's put before me those things I'm going to do. So not only is the king coming, not only does he call us, but he, he commits. <laughs> he's going to commit you. Or commit those one to one place and one to another. This is the king. Verses 44 and 45. Then also he will, uh, he will, uh, they will answer. And he's talking to the unrighteous. So the, the, we flip the script. So the juxtaposition. So the righteous, unrighteous. So the unrighteous are those who don't have the heart of the king. For whatever reason, right? they don't have the card of the king, so they don't have a desire to do these things. Feed the hungry, 
welcome strangers, visit prisons, visit the sick. They don't, they don't have those things in their heart. Their heart is not like the king. And so the king is going to judge them for that. Again, I can't reconcile all that, but that is what it says. Hey, the church that I grew up in, which is a different church than this, I had, you know, an old school black pastor, man. It was real simple. In a little poor church, right? Okay? It was real simple. He said, God can do whatever he wants. That's how I learned about sovereignty. So, like, I didn't know the term for it. So when I got to Covenant Seminary, I said, do you believe in sovereignty? I'm like, what's that? And they started talking about us. I was like, oh, man, my, my little black pole pastor talking about that. You know what he told me? He said, God can do whatever he wants. Oh, that's, a, that's sovereignty. <laughs> didn't know the terminology. But God can do whatever he wants to do. And as Paul says in Romans 9, who are you to question God? See, in America and Western culture, we don't like that. We don't like being told that we can't have an opinion on something. But I tell you what, on this day, when the king shows up, the king is talking. And we will be listening. And those who are wicked, the king is going to send them to eternal punishment. Here's what we should do. And I'm, I'm closing. I want you to think in terms of Jesus. When you read Jesus, often when we, we, we read about the miracles and the works of Jesus, we think in terms of this declares that he is indeed God. And it absolutely does. But if we're not careful, we miss out on this heart of Jesus for people. Apart from doing the works to declare that he is who he is. Okay? Jesus can do both and. But, but I want you to begin to, when you read Jesus, discern his heart. Right? So Jesus is going to lay hands on Peter's mother who has a fever because of the compassion. And he's going to raise up the widow named son because he's gripped by the fact that she is a widow, her son is now dead, and she is very vulnerable. You read Jesus, see his heart. See that he's, he's broken. He cares. He's not just down there because, okay, this is what I have to do. He cares. So discern Jesus' heart. Um, also, he specifically told you these things that are important to him. Feeding the hungry. Giving water to the thirsty. Welcoming strangers. Clothing the naked. Visiting the sick. Visiting those in prison. He's told you what things are important. We must respond. We must re respond. And we respond out of a heart that is just like his. Here's a prayer that I'm going to read. And I just want you to listen to it. And I want it to be your prayer. Because it is mine. 
My king, I desire to do all that your word today has revealed to me. I desire to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, and visit those in prison. Give me direction and lead me to those who are in need. And help me to serve them sacrificially. That's our prayer. In conclusion, make no mistake, the king is coming. And he's coming to judge the people of the earth. And he will separate and call out people. Be about the king's business before he comes. Not because the works in and of themselves make you righteous. But because in your case the works reveal that you indeed are like the king. And indeed you have the king's heart. But the king will also punish the wicked. What should that convey to us? That we shouldn't be concerned about the wicked and what happens to them. Because the king will put everything in order. Let me pray for you. God, you are good. And king, we desire to be like you. So those things that are important to you, those works that are important to you, Make them be of the utmost importance to us. You are a great king. Thank you for loving us, accepting us in your son. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.